Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. Just a quick note before we get started that this is part of our Blast from the Past series, where we celebrate one of the incredible women in tech from our archive. And if you're a new listener or you're just looking to be inspired, dig into the back catalog. There are literally hundreds of stories to choose from. Enjoy the episode. I pulled my 401k and I bought 300 gallons of rosé and made a prototype. I get asked this a lot from other entrepreneurs or people wanting to start businesses. What do I do and where do I start? And I guess my answer has always been the same is put yourself in a position where the only way out is through. My name is Esprit Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create The Women in Tech Show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. I call it actionable empowerment. Every single episode, you'll hear the story of a fantastic woman in tech, from engineers to founders to investors to journalists to designers, all sorts of different females in tech who have thrived. I want to share their stories with you so that you can know what resources, mentors, and life situations they accessed in order to get to where they are today. Enjoy. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Women in Tech. My name is Brian Nickerson. I'm guest hosting for Esprit Devora. I'm here today with a fabulous founder. Um, she is innovating in the space of alcoholic beverages. Uh, I'm here with Alix Peabody, founder and CEO of Bev. Alix, welcome to the show. Thanks. Hi, Brian. Nice to see you. Nice to see you as well. So how do you come to a podcast without drinks when on a like Friday afternoon? I know that was just, that was shameful of me, <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh, I was running around in meetings all day. So I uh, have since handed them out for happy hours and um, I can have some people deliver them later. <laughs> Amazing. No worries. Um, so tell us about Beth. Oh, where to even begin? Um, Bev, we make a canned rosé as our first product, but uh, really we consider ourselves much more of a media and lifestyle brand. Um, we are a company that's founded on a few main things. Primarily, um, we believe that the world will have a lot more fun when people feel confident, happy, and are kind to one another. And so those are the things that we really, really care about as a company. Um, and you can you can kind of tell when you walk into our office, we're just the type of people who are excited to see you because you exist and you're here and all of our parties are really welcoming and fun and um, and our brand sort of emulates that. It's just it's just a really genuine, genuine team and genuine group of people. So that's that's Bev. And that's what we're trying to promote is, you know, this this happy relationship with fun, particularly for women. Yeah. Amazing. So I heard um, w- when we first met, I heard your story of how Bev started. And it was like, you know, for, for everyone out there who's wondering, like, can I make it happen? What does it take? Um, I just felt like it was so inspirational. So um, talk to us. Sure. Yeah. Sure. yeah. So what went down? So um, the Bev story is long there was like and no winding. Risk, right. No. Oh, risk. no. Zero. Zero. And just like everything. Lined yeah, up. totally. Yeah. It was it was easy. No, um, it was it was really hard. Um, yeah. So I was living in San Francisco and I was an executive headhunter there um, in the tech space and mostly I was there because I wanted to, you know, meet people and I knew I wanted to build something one day, but I wasn't sure what. I knew I wanted it to be around sort of women and um, what I like to call lighthearted feminism. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 
empowering women through without necessarily man hating and um, by really bringing mm-hmm. people together. But I didn't know what. And um, one day I'm walking to work and no one ever sees this coming when when I tell them I have a rosé company, by the way. They're like, you must really like wine. I'm like, not quite. So, I mean, yes, but that's, <laughs> that's not how it came to be. So I'm walking to work and I just got really sick, uh, like throwing up middle of the sidewalk, um, went to the hospital, found out that overshare, but important, I think, because also women should just know this happens. Yeah. Um, I had an ovarian torsion in my right ovary and it was going into organ failure, really toxic. Um, and I had to be rushed into the ER literally that night. Mm. And so I was there um, and I was young. I was like 23, maybe 24. And mm-hmm. so uh, the doctors were really trying to you know, save my ovary and my eggs. I'm the eldest of five kids, had always wanted kids in the future, stuff like that. So long story short or long story medium, I guess, um, I ended up in this situation where I had to freeze eggs because I lost my right ovary Mm -hmm. and had to come up with like 20 to $50,000 to do it in a really short period Mm. of time. And uh, because it's not covered by insurance, even in a situation like mine, which is ludicrous (laughs) in in my opinion. So, um, so instead of, you know, freaking out, uh, I decided to throw a party (laughs) and Uh invite a bunch of my friends and invite, um, a bunch of tech bros really in the Silicon Valley area and charge people for tickets to raise money. So, Mm. Uh, I asked my aunt and uncle who who happened to live in wine country with a pool and a beautiful view and all that stuff and um, asked them if I could use their place. Got my friends who worked at Google to get a Google bus on the cheap for the weekend and um, and charge tickets to people uh, to come what was called the Sonoma Dager parties. So mm. that's kind of um, how, so how I raised money. But at all of these parties, first of all, they were day parties. So everyone was drinking rosé and that was kind of a common thing. Mm-hmm. And second of all, we had this issue of glass breaking by the pool. And mm, if glass, bad, bad yeah. badness. And really if glass bad. breaks by the pool, it's a, it's really annoying. <laughs> it's dangerous, obviously, <laughs> but B it's really expensive. Cause you have to drain the whole pool and, you know, take all the it's glass like, out. <laughs> it's like, I, what comes to mind is like, that's pretty bad. And also like the Caddyshack scene, right? Where the, yeah, the, yeah <laughs> pretty, pretty much, pretty much. And, um, like you know, every, you, the whole party, just you just kinda, got a, like a bunch of, it was, yeah. it was, you know, it was a little people as uh what, what is, what is that phrase that people like to go a little Gatsby at these, <laughs> at, at these parties. Um, so anyway, so, you know, they were successful in, in that way, but they were also interesting in that, you know, we realized that this was a th- an issue yeah. um, of some sorts, not that, you know, not an issue per se, but um, an annoyance that, that we had. So that, that was kind of um, the start, but I didn't know it at the time, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't like, Oh, now it's time to make a canned rosé. Like not, yeah. not at all. Um, it was just kind of a, a joke of a, you know, between me and my aunt and my cousins, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you know, but something that didn't really come up until much later. So, at that point, um, I guess I was having a little bit of a crisis. I just didn't know what I wanted to do. I was trying to sort of redefine what it means to be a woman and, um, you know, what what does it mean if I can't have kids? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, how do I still sort of enjoy myself, enjoy my life if this thing that I 
always thought was something I could have. Just I wasn't sure I could have yeah. anymore. Um, and so at that point, I started really thinking more and more about, um, you know, what that meant for me, really. Yeah. I guess it was it was a weird time. And I was really, I was young. I was like 24 yeah. or, or so. So at that point, I thought maybe I want to build a media company. Um, maybe I want to be in entertainment. Maybe I want to write a show about, you know, women like me who are just trying to figure it out, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, but in a happier way. Mm-hmm. Um, even when things are tough. And I moved to LA to go to USC for screenwriting of all things. Um, (laughs) And, uh, and I liked it a lot, but it was frustrating and it kind of left me writing and writing in that way left me a little bit um, wandering, you know, because it's a lot of time in your own head. I found, Mm -hmm. I have so much respect for, for writers and um, it was, it was tough. And I kind of found myself in this, position where I was just, I don't know, I was, I was just trying to figure it out and I didn't really mm-hmm. know which, which way to turn. And at that point, um, I started to really think about different things I could do that, that would push forward what it is I, I wanted to build. And it wasn't so much a company I wanted to build as it was a message I wanted to relay, if yeah. that makes sense. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and sort of from there, from that thought of building a media company, whatever, I was thinking back on all of the ways I'd ended up where I was and came up with this almost Red Bull like concept yeah. where I was like, well, what if I built, you know, a brand that really stood for something with a product that fueled the brand and, yeah. and a product that I could actually sell that the market wants. And as I started looking more and more at alcohol as a, as a sector and, you know, wine and that, that kind of stuff, I realized that there is, with the exception of skinny girl margarita, which mm-hmm. I don't think would do great in this climate. There's nothing that's branded <clears throat> and marketed for women in a really healthy and happy mm-hmm. way. I think women have a complicated relationship with fun. Um, so that's a little long winded, but that's, that's my story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I, I think that your background in kind of storytelling and your desire to storytell is really like, there's so much depth to your company that's beyond just right Bev, which is not to say that it's just Bev, right? It, but like that, that notion of um, the the complication that women can have with fun. Yeah. And for so sure. how do we trans, how do you, I think there's a part you're like, how do you transform that? Mm-hmm. And how do you embody that? And how do you celebrate that? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and that's part of the Red Bull side, right? Of, yeah. the, of the media side of what Yeah. Well, I think, you know, when you think about women and their relationship with fun in general and, um, and a, and a lot of what's been happening in in the media and and in this modern day in general, uh, fun is almost dangerous for women in a way, or mm-hmm. or has become so. You know, it's you're in mm-hmm. the frat basement, you're at the bar, you're at the club, you're putting yourself in a position where you could be a victim. Or um, I've been in every male dominated industry at this point. I started in finance, I worked at a hedge fund, uh, then I was in tech, then I was briefly in entertainment, and as if it couldn't get any worse. Now I'm an alcohol. So <laughs> really, really every male dominated industry. Maybe the NFL. Yeah. I'm, yeah. That's next. <laughs> that's that's next. what's next yeah. for sure. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I really have been and, um, and every, you know, every place I sort of noticed the same thing over and over again, which was that in one part of my life, it was almost embarrassing to be in that other part of my life. Right. So, uh, if I was in a boardroom or in 
a meeting with, you know, other entrepreneurs or uh, whatever. I didn't necessarily want people to know that I loved going to Burning Man or that, you know, I like to party on a Friday or that I'm throwing ragers on the weekends to freeze Mm -hmm. eggs. (laughs) Hilarious. But um, (laughs) and, you know, and when I'm when I was out in New York, I once I mean, this literally happened to me once I was at a bar and someone asked where I worked and I and I mentioned the name of the hedge fund I worked at. And a guy literally looks at me and goes, oh, so you're an admin. And I was like, no. And you're not as smart as our admins, but whatever, <laughs> moving on. But, um, you know, but that I just found that any place I was, it made it kind of odd. That other part of my life was odd, if that yeah. makes any sense. And uh, I found with a lot of my male counterparts, that wasn't necessarily the case. You've kind of always been encouraged to be on the golf course or, you know, in the locker room or having, you know, having fun going out and also professionally successful. Um, so to me that, you know, that was kind of something that's always been in the back of my mind, which is that relationship between women and fun being healthy and happy and encouraged. Um, so that's, that's a, that's part of our brand for sure is, you know, embracing your quirk, celebrating yourself, owning your fun really is what, is what we like to say. And, and again, not in an angry way. Um, There's, there's not that much that's angry about fun, really. <laughs> or rosé. It's just not an angry thing. <laughs> Maybe if you've had too much of it. Yeah. And, you, and you're coming from an angry perspective. Yeah. You're starting that. Yeah, right? fair, yeah. fair enough. Um, I also found compelling how, um, and I've heard parts of your story before, mm-hmm. right? So um, this is exciting for me, right? But um, like, like you had all the money in the world and, you know, you just like it, the money was there and then you did the wine and stuff, right? I'm teasing. No. You. Yeah. I was like, I was like, what are <laughs> you like, talking what? about? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, <laughs> but your story, right? I think that the, like, I'd love for you to share, um, the you know, how you got started and especially, right. Cause you, you, you went for it, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Tell oh, us, yeah. tell us about going for it. Cause I think especially for, for entrepreneurs listening to the podcast, but also there's a lot of people who want to become entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's all these, um, limitations I think that we put on ourselves um, that may or may not actually be real. And I find you like, you've like busted down the door with that. So oh, yeah. that story is pretty fun. Yeah. yeah. So I, uh, you know, I was in grad school, so there in and of itself, there was no money left. Um, and I, <laughs> as I mentioned, I'd had health issues, so, uh, which were expensive to say the very least. And I, so I had a 401k that, uh, my mentor who, when I was in college, who now happens to be my CFO, which is hilarious, um, <clears throat> told me when you go into the workforce, do anything you can to max out your 401k. And I just blindly followed yeah. her advice for a year. So I had a small amount of money in a retirement account. And when I decided to go for it, I knew I needed a prototype of the products because nobody would even really talk to me if they couldn't taste the wine, right? Yeah. Or they couldn't taste the actual end product. So I pulled my 401k, terrified my parents, <laughs> as I'm sure you can imagine, and my friends. And uh, I pulled my 401k and I bought 300 gallons of rosé wine um, and made a prototype. And then I just, you know, I get asked this a lot in terms of from other entrepreneurs or people wanting to start businesses. W- what do I do and where do I start? And I guess my answer has always been the same is put yourself in a position where the only way out is through. Yeah. And for me, I, I laid it all on the line and, you know, and I'm, things are going great so far, but it still could have been a huge 
right. you know, crazy thing to do. I mean, time will tell. But um, for some people, that's having a, found, a co-founder that they cannot let down. Or for mm-hmm. other people, it's um, taking a risk that, that they weren't sure they were going to take. Or, you know, and for me, it was, I, I there was no other option. I was going to, yeah. I had to make it or I was going to have to go with my tail between my legs to my parents' <laughs> basement. Um, so, um, so that's, that's kind of the thing that, that I tell people, uh, a lot of the time, if that answers the question. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, so after getting that prototype, uh, or those prototypes, I realized that obviously I needed funding and we're talking at this point, like $12 in my bank account thought I was going to have to give up, you know, panic attacks in the middle of the night, crying on a street corner yeah. at four in the morning in San Francisco, you know, not sure I'll be able to get an Uber because there's enough cash left in my in my account type of thing. You know, it was not easy by any stretch of the imagination. But uh, basically what I did was I took that product um, that, that I'd raised money for and I found some people who I thought could be cool angel investors. And I found them you know, mostly through my network and my time in, in Silicon Valley and stuff like that. I kind of knew who some of them were. And I just really creepily figured out what parties they were going to <laughs> <laughs> and flooded those parties with product. Uh, and then a few days later, I'd, I'd either get an intro <laughs> or... Um, or reach out myself and be like, oh, you know, I, I have this cool little rosé company. And they'd say, oh, my gosh, that's so crazy. I was just at this party where people were drinking that yeah. like nuts. And I would be like, oh, my God, how did that happen? Like, who'd have thought it? Um, that's so weird. Yeah. Uh, not weird. Totally me. So, uh, yeah, so that's that's kind of how I raised the first little yeah. first little chunk. Um Amazing. Crazily enough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, thoughtful guerrilla marketing. Yeah, so like, <laughs> can, you, can you give us a, uh, can you give us any hint of uh, what, what is next in that like similar. In the, in the <laughs> guerrilla marketing yeah. tactics. Yeah. Well, sure. I mean, because you have a, you have a big launch coming up, right? Yeah, we do. Yeah. We do. Uh, we are direct to consumer online. So you can buy us in California on our website and it'll show up the next day. And your website again, drinkbev.com. Yep. Um, and that's which is very exciting and a little bit terrifying. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure tons of things will break, including uh, we had our first test order placed and then immediately got shut down by Shopify because we we're selling alcohol <laughs> and they oh, needed proof wow. that we could that do it. That, yeah. yeah. So yeah. and so things. So I'm really glad that we tested <laughs> <laughs> um, whatever can go wrong will go wrong. But um, but yeah, we're really excited. And I, you know, in terms of marketing, um, and things coming up. I mean, we've we've been really lucky in that we've really started to build a community around the message, right? And we have events a lot. We have parties. We have a cool, really cool spot in Venice um, with a rooftop. So, you know, the summer should be pretty bumping at, we call it the Bev House. Um, <laughs> so should be pretty bumping at the Bev House. And, um, you know, if you follow us on, on Drink Bev on Instagram, you can find out about a lot, what a lot of stuff is going on. Um, but yeah, so we're really trying to get people excited about what we care about more so than Mm -hmm. try to push our product. Because my theory is, you know, our, you know, our mission is to build a world where people have more fun um, because they're kind, confident and happy. So 
you know, that is what we care about the most. And we figure that the rest will come and we have a good product. We stand behind it. People love it. It's cute <laughs> as well. It's fun. Um, it's made by chicks, which is one of our sort of And is on lines. the packaging. Now, it literally right? yeah. says made yeah. by chicks on the can. Yeah. Um, you know, and which, which dudes <laughs> love too, which we love. Yeah. Um, but, you know, but it's, it's something that we want people aligned with our mission and drinking our products because they love what we stand for rather, yeah. you know, rather than just trying to push it um, right. to the shelves. We're not... It's not really our style. Um, so. so, and will you have a, a retail distribution strategy as well? Or is it is direct to consumer to start? Or It's yeah. direct to consumer to start. And um, we will go into retail eventually. Mm-hmm. We actually are going to be in a couple, um, a, cu- a couple, you know, mom and pop retail shops, but we're, we, it actually, we've actually asked them not to shelve it. So you kind of have to know. Mm where to find it. Um, Uh little, little Bev treasure hunt (laughs) in and around the area. In Venice and Santa Monica. Um, Yeah. In Venice and Santa Monica. Can you give folks like one little hint to go on that treasure hunt or Uh, anything? Yeah. Um, we're really into Rose Avenue where our, (laughs) where our office is like Rose. (laughs) Um, so it's in and around that area. You okay. can, you can find us. Um, I know a little spot next to moon juice. Yeah, it m- might be, <laughs> um, but yeah. So, um, but for the most part we are, we are direct to consumer online. And Sorry, I shouldn't be hunting. For no, it right it's now. okay. I'm, like, I'm already there. It's okay. Don't worry. Don't worry, Brian. We'll get you a six pack. It's fine. Um, but yeah. Uh, and it'll be online and then in on premise. So, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're going to, bars and places and we're really being particular about where we want to sell into because yeah. we want those places to be really female friendly you know yeah. and, and places yeah. that are on brand for us like we're not looking to sell into you know the club that turns half its people away for yeah. not wearing a skirt that's short enough you know? yeah no yeah. no way right yeah. so for us it's um we want places that vibe with what we stand yeah. for um and obviously there are some use cases like poolside yeah. is huge. Um, mini bars, I'm sure at, at cool hotels and, and stuff like that is, is cool. But it's funny. One of my advisors recently told me um, strategy is all about what you don't do. Yeah. Which I thought was really interesting because especially when you're a young startup and money's always tight and, you know, it's, it's always tempting to jump on that thing that, you know, that's offering you cash for a big account or something like that. But you know, when you're so early, it's about saying no to those things that are tempting that will build yeah. your brand and build that loyalty. And so we're, we're finding that definitely to be true and, and to be really helpful advice. Yeah, that's great. Um, so on the, uh, if we go into fundraising a little bit, um, is there anything in particular you've noticed, um, raising as a woman, um, is that, mm-hmm. has that gotten easier over the last, you, you're a bit less than a year old? We're less a year, than a year old. Less than yeah. a year old, but have raised two rounds now, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so talk to us a little bit about that process. Cause I think, you know, it's like it's changing, but not nearly fast enough. Yeah, right? I agree. <laughs> and, you know, I really, I got lucky. Um, I got really lucky. You create because, your own luck. Elise. Yeah. <laughs> my grandfather actually always used to say it's one of my favorite things. Luck falls on the shoulders of those prepared to receive it. Yes. Um, which I think is true to an extent. I think, you know, I think I've been particularly lucky. Um, I've also hunted for a fair amount of, you know, of those opportunities as well. Yeah. 
but um but I I really did get lucky and and in the sense that I had people in San Francisco who were entrepreneurs men all men who went out of their way to really help me understand how to do this <clears throat> and mm-hmm. I think one of the things that I learned or or noticed pretty quickly was that you know for most of these these friends of mine who were helpful in in teaching me um, the ropes a little bit, I was pretty much their only true female friend. They just didn't they just don't have that many mm. female friends or at least not female entrepreneur friends um, in in the groups I kind of ran in when I was living there. And mm-hmm. you know I have I have a bunch of brothers. I've kind of always grown up being you know the chick in the group, if you will, of, of guys, um, you know, male dominated jobs over and over again. I, yeah. I've kind of gotten used to that. Um, but a lot of, a lot of women haven't, and a lot of women don't have that. And what I, what I noticed was that a lot of men, um, and male entrepreneurs have one another and they share investors, they share deal flow. There's kind of a web that's hard to get into, but once you're in it, you know, it's, it's pretty, um, there's a lot of access, right. And you meet a lot of people and the network starts to grow and, and things like that. And what I, what I've noticed is that for women, it's just harder because first of all, there just aren't number wise as many, and there aren't as many women who have started companies and exited them. I mean, even some of the biggest, you know, startups that are female led right now, they they still haven't exited. Mm. There's, you know, they're still Mm -hmm. growing. Um, and so there just aren't that many people, especially who invest at the very, very early stages. Um, and in San Francisco, I found that most of the angel investors for seed companies are former entrepreneurs themselves. Um, and so there, there just hasn't been enough exits for there to be that kind of network for women yet. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so I, you know, I try to do my best to help as many uh, female entrepreneurs as I can just learn the ropes and get the mentorship and the help and the introductions that I was really, really lucky to receive. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just, I think the, I, I just think the network is smaller or, yeah. or non-existent in a lot of cases and it's just harder to break in. And, um, and once, once you kind of have the hang of it, once you've gotten funding, um, as a female, I feel like people tend to rally behind you. It's almost like, yeah, harder to get at first and then a little bit easier momentum wise. Uh-huh. Um, if that's not sac- sacrosanct to say. Sure. Well, it's truth, right? <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, yeah. so, you know, I feel like once you've kind of proven that you can break through that first barrier as, um, as a female entrepreneur, mm-hmm. things tend to fall into place a little bit more. I've heard that mm-hmm. from a couple of, of my female friends, but, mm-hmm. um, but it's a lot harder to break through. Yeah. It was also interesting because, um, you know, I went through this interesting transition with a lot of these friends, um, you know, in, in and around Silicon Valley, where I went from their friend who was a female to very much a peer um, mm-hmm. professionally and someone who shared investors and, you know, another mm. entrepreneur and stuff like that. And it was it was just an interesting transition. Honestly, yeah. it was um, it was definitely a transition of sorts. And and once I'd sort of proven that I could do that first thing, yeah. uh, I, I found, I found a lot more access to a lot more support very quickly. Yeah. Um, but you know, some of those same people who, while I was struggling, were kind of waiting to see if I could do it 
um, had very different mentalities after the first little <laughs> tranche of funding than yeah. they did before, if that yeah. makes sense. And I think that I've heard that from a lot of a lot of friends. Yeah. That's always fun as an entrepreneur when people come back to you. Yeah. You know I mean? Oh, yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's it's a, good. a special little moment. Um, and so for for people who want to um, learn about the parties, find DrinkBev. Um, just once again, if you can uh, share where people can find you online. Yeah. Um, it's at DrinkBev on Instagram. Uh, that's kind of where we're most active and you can find out the most um, about what's going on. And then also sign up for our newsletter on DrinkBev.com. Uh, you'll find you know, loads of pop-ups telling you to sign up for our newsletter. <laughs> so um, you, you can find stuff out there as well. Amazing. Um, well, Alix, this has been a great conversation. Um, really Thanks. excited to uh, to see your success. And I know we're just starting. And uh, it's been it's been great. Thank you so much. Thanks, Brian. Women in Tech is an independently funded project funded by you, the community. So the way that you could support us is by going to patreon.com slash women in tech and making a small contribution. Every little bit counts. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash women in tech. Thank you so much for believing in our vision. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.